Switch Radio Sport. This is Switch. Hello and welcome to the non-league review on Switch Sports with Kevin Moore and Ross Thorpe. And our guest this week is Brendan Kelly, the first team manager of Bronsgrove Sporting, who resided in the Southern Premier Central Division. Hello Brendan, welcome to Switch Sports. Hello guys, thanks very much for having me. What I thought I'd start off with Brendan is um, having an association with Bromsgrove Sporting as a player, then moving into management for the club, has enabled you to develop a rapport with the fans over the years. The circumstances surrounding how the club was formed and is structured involving club directors and the supporters trust has to be said it's quite unique within non-league football. So at the time when you signed, was this part of your appeal of wanting to play for the club? I've got to say no. At the time I signed for the club, my personal life was in the gutter. It was in a, in a really bad state of affairs. I had had a break from the game due to that. But I knew it was something that I wanted to, to continue doing. And you know, a lot of lads will agree that sometimes football is a relief from, from the everyday life. And Smudge had tried to sign me a couple of times previous. But I didn't know anything about the club if I'm honest only from when it was Bromsgrove Rovers didn't know anything about sporting how it was formed what their plans were what the infrastructure was and I'd never I'd never played step six football before I didn't do any research I didn't look into the into like I say how it was formed or, or, or what their plans were I just needed a release to clear my head in many ways and get back playing football which is what I enjoyed most I think I had a couple of meetings with Smudge and, and I was happy to sign. I certainly didn't see on the horizon what was going to happen and, and what has happened to the club with, with how fast it's grown, the exposure it's got and how quick it's won things and did what it's done in recent years. So no element at all of the infrastructure or the, or the, the history or the background of the club. Um, it didn't have any burden on me signing for them, to be honest. So I'd have to say no, I didn't, um, didn't look into it that much. I was just happy to sign and play football. So Brent, from that point of view and you touched on issues in and around your private life at that time and like you say getting back and just playing football and it is a release it is something that you know for those couple of hours on a Tuesday Thursday Saturday you know you kind of are able to put things to one side and just focus on it again touching on the the fact around the size of Bromsgrove Rovers which let's be fair in non-league football across the country not just in the Midlands they were a real real Goliath of a club. When you then come into sporting and again dropping into step six and all of that kind of stuff, do you think from that point of view you needed that kind of club at that level of football? Because I know how much you take your football seriously. So you going down to step six, and again, no disrespect to clubs at step six, you'd have to be going to a club that were ambitious, really on a journey to to get back to the, the hearty days of when it was of Bromsgrove Rovers. Would, would that be fair to say you weren't just going to drop in and play football just for the sake of it? No, of course not. I'd never do that for any club. If I was going in to sign for a club, I'd make sure I had my 100% commitment. And, you know, the fact that Smudge tried to sign me a couple of times previous, you know, he really wanted me. There were some lads that I knew at the club, some lads that lived close to me, so I thought it might be a good a good way to get me back into to enjoy my football again because I'd finished up at Hale's own and, and I knew... John Hill knew there was stuff going on in my personal life and he knew it was taking his toll on my football. So, you know, I moved on from there. But I had four great years, four and a half great years at Hell's Own, captain the club and really enjoyed it there. But then moving to Bromsgrove, when I think it was the pre-season friendlies when I realised something's going to happen because of the crowds in the pre-season friendlies. I think we played Runcorn. I think Stratford came and played us. I think Leamington came and played us. And really good crowds. And then I thought, oh, this is great playing in front of all these people at this level of football. But also the, the squad that was been assembled. A lot of the players were well able to play higher than step six. That wet me appetite, to be fair. You know, we had a really good season and, and, I, and I enjoyed it, albeit I only played one season and then kind of stepped back 
which I'm sure we'll come on to. Yeah, after pre-season friendlies, I knew there was big plans and lots of potential. And from that point of view, playing for a club the size of Bromsgrove at that level of football, you know, I'm sure even past the pre-season friendlies when you were getting into the league campaign, you know, there would have been good numbers, certainly at the home games. But, you know, when you were travelling to away grounds that you've probably never been to before, that might only get... 20 or 30 people watching them and then all of a sudden 300 Bromsgrove fans rock up. Did that then bring an element of pressure that probably didn't expect at that level of football? I think pressure comes from within if I'm honest. If you if you don't go on the pitch to, to give your very best and, and perform to the best of your ability every time, you're selling people out. It doesn't matter how many is watching, you need to make sure you're performing all the time. But I suppose when there is that many watching, you don't want to put in bad performances because you don't want you don't want fans or, or people going away saying, he's not this, he's not that, he's rubbish, he's this, he's that. It's personal pride in your own performances. I've never felt pressurised by playing in front of a crowd because I always wanted to give me best. Some players do, some players don't. I didn't feel any pressure. I don't think any of the lads did, but they'd certainly make themselves heard if, if they were unhappy with something. The fans pay good money to, to go and see the games. So Brendan then, you won the MFL Premier Division and a new chapter for the club for the 2018-19 season in the Southern League Division 1 Central. The summer preparations for this forthcoming season was the first pre-season with you in charge, sole charge as it were. So did conversations with Mike Burke and the club focus on wanting to establish yourselves as a step four club or to continue making a push for promotion? Listen, I think the, the general consensus from the board was, was to plateau out, stabilise. Not from Mike, certainly not from Mike, not from me. But I think the majority of the board just wanted to stabilise. You know, they were probably looking at mid-table, maybe top half finish they'd be pleased with. Certainly, I wasn't thinking that. But it was a strange one because it's a brand new division. We'd be going to a lot of pitches that certainly the lads haven't played at before. I might have played at a few of them, but a lot of the lads never played step four before. Newly formed division, a lot of travelling. So we didn't know what to expect. But I think certainly from a board level, they would have been happy to, like you say, stabilise and, and just um, just stay in the, in the division comfortably. But we had, we had other ideas. You know, Mike was very optimistic. And like I say, he's never said no to me on anything that I've asked for. Yeah, I think it was eight, maybe ten games in when I thought, okay, you know what, we could probably go again here. And I think, yeah, it was about eight or ten games in where I thought we could do something here. It's one doubt that we did. So, Bren, your first pre-season as a gaffer, the first pre-season where you're having to talk to players as a gaffer, that lads that you want to try and bring into the club. How was that from that point of view? Because I think as an assistant, more often than not, you might see a player coming into the, the dressing room once... The manager's already done the deal. How was that for you in terms of identifying players? Did you want to remain loyal to the boys that had got you promoted for step six and step five? Or did you look and go, was you then starting to look at right what's going to make us better further afield? No, I think I was quite loyal. In many respects, I was probably too loyal because there was a stage in the season where there were some areas that, that stood out that we needed to improve on and, and it probably took me a little bit longer to see it myself because I am I am quite loyal to be fair. So we didn't make too many changes. We brought Nathan Hayward in, Will Shorrock, Charlie Dowd, Tom Massey developed up from the from the eighteens. Uh, Max Lovridge left. We lost a couple of players, but we, we added in areas that we thought would enhance the, the squad that we already got. Yeah, I think it was I think it was right up until January, I think um and you'll probably ask me this question, what what was the pivotal point? I think it was it was a way to Dunstable Town. January, early January, and we lost 3-2, and that's when I thought we need to make some changes, and we did, and then we we went, whatever it was, 17, 17 unbeaten or something like that, which saw us comfortably in the in the second position, and just missed out, unfortunately. So we added where we needed to, 
to add um, and kept the nucleus of, of what we had before. So we, we felt we had a good mix. And what would you say was pivotal about that Dunstable performance that made you look and go, we need to do something a bit different now? Just that certain individuals have probably, have probably got the best and uh, that I can hold them and I've probably talked them as far as, uh, as I can. I think getting Coyle Lincoln in, it's really strange. I mean, he, he's left the club, but he's only lost, I think, one competitive game in all he's played for us. But he came in, he was fantastic. And we played them twice and he didn't give Rich or Jace an inch in, in the both games. He played really well against them too. And anyone who plays really well against them too will, will stand out. And he did. And that's why I took the chance on going outside the area and, and inviting him in. And he came in and then him and Tom Taylor were, were unbelievable from January up until the, the playoff final. They were um, they were immense for us. So that was one area that that we um, improved in. Obviously, John and Mozart had moved on. I mean, we were great servants to the club. I think Nathan was a pivotal signing for us. Him and Josh Quayner were just outstanding. Um, in my opinion, the best the best midfield pairing in the in the division. Uh, and then Will Shorrock and Charlie Dowd were just just brilliant. Small lads, but you know, excellent with their feet, and they were quite dynamic in movement and their skill ability. Um, we felt we had a real good. A real good balance. Jack Wilson just got better and better and better the, the higher he went. So I think that was the game. Those are the games that you think might have been pivotal for as you look at the sport. Peter Sports win away, did cut away. Kidlington at home 11-0. Bedford at home 1-0, which was a massive win for us because I think in that week they signed three or four players and probably spent about 1,500 quid on them. And we're coming to our place with this big, well-known squad with bucket loads of experience and, and we beat them 1-0. But I think the Dunstable away... We went on an unbelievable run after that. Um, I think we only lost one from then on in. That was the, the final game of the season away to Berkhamstead, which meant nothing really because um, everything else was all was all decided. And do you think from that point of view, because you know you still had players from the Step 6 and Step 5 days in there and they understood what a Goliath club that Bromsgrove were, that going into the playoffs, they almost understood the expectation, whereas if you'd have been a little bit trigger happy and bought in five, six or seven players that didn't really understand what the expectation at a club like Bromsgrove was, it could have almost gone the other way, couldn't it? Like you've mentioned that club there who bought in four big name players. If you'd have done that in your run up towards the playoffs, they might not have understood that oh, all of a sudden we could have like two and a half, three thousand people here watching us. We could have done that, but we are quite choosy about who we bring in. You know, when Will Shorrock, when he broke his shoulder New Year's Day at Colesville we we had to get another left-sided player in and you know we went and got Kieran Westwood who's in my opinion been brilliant for us and he came in and started absolutely on fire I think he had five assists and three goals in his first few games Liam Spink was coming back to full fitness which was a huge boost to the club you know we'd signed we'd signed Michael McGrath so I think we did okay we got a couple of loans in from Blues were brilliant for us young Adnan George and, and Chris Mayuba so we had um good strong deep squad and um, like I say we, we were choosy and, and the lads that came in fitted in really well I thought Westy settled really really well Tom Taylor was brilliant and you know we had injury problems but he wouldn't have been phased by the expectations or anything like that because he, he played in the in the Welsh Prem and he's played in huge games before Coyle Lincoln had been at big clubs earlier in his career as well so and obviously Mike McGrath nothing phases him and Westy had dropped down from a higher level as well. So they were all capable of dealing with the expectation. No, no worries there. And from that point of view, does it, does it almost make it a little bit easier from your point of view that when you put seven days in for a player or you call a player in pre-season that as soon as you go, Brendan Kelly here from Bromsgrove Sport and all of a sudden 
people's ears prick up a little bit and go, oh, hold on a minute, I'm quite interested in that because of what you've now achieved. The point I'm trying to make there is, I think sporting, when they was in the lower echelons of non-league, lived in the shadow of Bromsgrove Rovers. But as you have started to go from six to five to four to three, all of a sudden, I believe not many people are talking about Bromsgrove Rovers now. They're talking about the growth and development of, of sporting. So do you think from that point of view, from a player's point of view, that they're looking and going, actually, do you know what, if Bromsgrove are phoning me, that's quite a big achievement for me as a player. Some will see it as a compliment. I think if you look at certainly Mike McGrath, obviously I played at Macca and I've known him a long, long time. And he was a player that, even when I was assistant to Smudge, we, we tried to get in. And who wouldn't? He's, he's a brilliant player. But yeah, hopefully when, when a player picks up the phone and, and they hear our club on the other end, they might raise their eyebrows a little bit. But that's credit to, to everybody at the club that has helped it progress and grow um, over the last the last uh, four or five years, I guess. So everybody's got to take some sort of element of achievement out of that. When we come knocking, people, people kind of sit up and and listen so yeah I guess that's nice and obviously we've got the added value of, of the huge crowds that we that we get that players will certainly enjoy playing in front of more so than, than 100 and 150 180 people so Brendan that season turned out to be another successful campaign but also dramatic campaign for the club finishing behind league winners Peterborough Sports and heading into the playoffs now we've spoken to previous guests on the show Cameron Stewart and Neil Tooth regarding their opinions about how the playoffs was arranged by the league and who could get promoted based on the amount of points clubs amassed by the end of their league games. However, your situation was different because by finishing second, the players were still now you to get promoted. Can you share with us how you got the team meant to prepare for the games against Sutton Carfield Town in the semi and Corby Town and on reflection on those overall reflection on those games? Because there were two massive games for the club. I've been speaking to Sutton Carfield Town fans who went to the game against Bronze Ghost Sporting and they could not believe what an end-to-end game it was. But I'd like to get your opinion, uh, Brendan, on those two matches because they were mentally could have been quite draining for yourself and the squad during a very very short period when those two games were played as well mentally I don't think it was a challenge because mentally was was an area that we needed to improve on in the dressing room on the pitch Our mentality was weak and we needed to improve on that so I'd never let that element slip I'd never let that standard slip albeit I think at the time of the final standings I think we finished 29 points above fifth place and we were in second we were Buzzing, we were happy, really pleased with what we'd done. Obviously dejected, I think we knew the title was done when we drew it home to Barton 2-2. But we still had aims and targets that we wanted to achieve. You know, we were getting great compliments, people saying it's the best football they've seen for the last four or five years and all that type of stuff, which is great. But we hadn't done anything, we'd not won anything. But we had targets of scoring over 100 goals again, going the whole season unbeaten at home. Which is why, I think Cameron said when he was on that, you know, we, we paid him a lot of respect with the team that we played when we beat them 2-0 because they had no sort of chance of the of the playoff. Yeah, I wasn't going to put a weekend side out against Cameron because they would have beat us. But we also had the, the unbeaten home record to play for. And that's another reason why I played a strong team. You can't just switch it on and off. You want momentum going into a big a big playoff semi-final with the potential of getting into a big a big playoff final. So momentum was key and I wanted to make sure that you know the lads continued doing what they were doing. And like I say, we were in a great run of form because we... We went about 15 games unbeaten. But the semi-final, I know I'm only in the game a short period of time as a manager, but easily the most unenjoyable game uh, I've been involved in because it was just a farce, the way that the playoffs had um, had been arranged, that something couldn't go up and all that sort of stuff. And um, it was just really strange, really strange. And um, 
we started really well. But then as the game went on, you know, it was just they played with so much freedom. Um, something did because they knew they couldn't couldn't go up. They just played with so much freedom, and they were overloading us, just bombing bodies forward. For the neutral, it was probably a great game, but for us, certainly me and Mason, it was very unenjoyable. Listen, we were having laughs on the side, you know, I'm close to, to Tuffy, so we were having laughs in between. But fair play to them, they did their club proud and gave it a real goal because they, they could have just tossed it off, but fair play to them, they didn't, and they, they gave it a good, a good bash. But it was a very uneasy night for us in the management side of, of their team. Yeah, it was, it was a great night because we won, but not one that I want to repeat. And then the final, obviously, just an amazing day. It started early in the morning. I think I went to see, there's a fan who was, it was really, really poorly, Reg, 93 years of age, and I was quite inspired, the fact that he was still sitting in his in his um, hospital bed with his Bromsgrove sporting scarf. And I thought, you know what, I'll go and pay him a visit. And I did on the morning. Really humbling, really inspiring. You know, I did tell the boys that I did that when I got to the dressing room, and this is what it means to the town and stuff like that. Unfortunately, Reg passed away not, not long after the game, to be fair. I think it was a couple of days later. But it was a huge, huge day, biggest game in the club's history and, you know, absolutely packed out thousands there. And what a playoff final it was, had absolutely everything, everything against a good Corby side. And um, certainly more enjoyable than the semis, but it was still there. Uh, heartbeat was uh, was up and down and all over the place for long periods during that day. But it was uh, certainly one to, to remember and, and one of have fond memories for, for a long, long time. It sounds like a really inspiring four, five, six days of your whole life not just as, as as a football manager and again going and seeing the fan who was in not great health and all of that kind of stuff at that point you've played against Sutton against someone who's been your assistant manager when you've been playing someone you've stayed in touch with over the years you've beat them you then go and see Reg and all of that kind of stuff was there ever a moment at that point where you just looked and thought I'm a relatively new manager because at that point you'd have probably been 14, 15 months into your managerial career where you looked and thought, Brendan Kelly, I can look at myself in the mirror and go, from a management point of view, I've landed right on my feet here because you've gone from winning step five to just going into a playoff final at step four. At that moment in time, knowing that what you'd gone through in your personal life when you first joined the club, did it almost feel a little bit like, wow, I've absolutely gone full circle from massive lows to now the highest of highest achievements? Yeah, there was an element of that. And obviously I, I lost my father during that season as well. So that was a you know really, really difficult time for me. But the squad were great. The club were great. They helped me through it, especially Mason and quite a good few of the lads as well. So I probably did, yeah, I did wake up in the morning and think, well done. This is a huge day. Enjoy it. But... I remember leaving the house. I couldn't even imagine not winning the game. I was like, I have to win this game. have to win this game. But um, yeah, I suppose there was a sense of, of achievement. Signing for the club as a player, now leading them into the biggest game in their history. You know, potentially having back-to-back promotions. But then when you get to the ground, you know, normality kicks in and you get into your, your normal routine and you speak to the lads in the dressing room and when you're forced to arrive, you're having some banter and, and the music's on. And then, and then you kind of, you're OK. I was always nervous as a player, even as a manager. I think I'd get worried if I didn't get nerves before the game. Obviously, a lot of lads had nerves, but once you settle into the, the normal routine of prepping for the game and stuff, you, it's fine. But you could tell it was a, a massively different occasion because it was full at... And we go out, what time do we go out? Well, I'm up five past ten, about ten past two. It was full. So you come out 
to fans applauding you as you're running out for your warm-up. Usually that happens at kick-off time, but the place was rammed at ten past two, quarter past two, and you could taste it. You could just taste that this wasn't a normal game. It was fantastic to be a part of it. Because I'm guessing from that point of view, and again, no disrespect to, to Sutton Coalfield Town because they're a club close to me and Kev, they weren't bringing you know, a couple of hundred fans down to that game. But knowing Corby Ward and your fans would be there and all of that, when you probably walked out the dressing room at half past two to go out and watch the last bits of the warm-up, how did you feel at that point? Did you go into player mode along the sense of, do you know what, I've got to be 100% at everything today or a, a level of vulnerability, I think is the right word, because... Like you say, this was the, the biggest game in your very short managerial career at that point. Yeah, I think um, just before we went back in, you're kind of thinking, are we ready? We've had such good momentum. Corby's end to the finish was kind of a bit staggered because they'd already secured third place. We could, we'd secured second ages ago. Albeit we were still disappointed that there was now to Peter, but who were worthy winners, by the way, I've got to say. What a brilliant team. But yeah, at that point, I was kind of... To be honest, if we hadn't beat Corby 2-1 in the league when Jason scored that one goal, I wouldn't have been as confident going into that final because they battered us in the 5-0 at their place. But then when we beat them 2-1 in the return game at their place, it gave me a lot more confidence going into the playoff final. But a few minutes before kick-off, the atmosphere, you're buzzing and stuff like that. And I was, I was quite calm throughout the game. I think I lost my head a bit when we went 3-1 up because I thought, that's it, they're done now. And I, I don't know, Martin O'Neill halfway up the touchline. But then they, they equalised and, and got back to 3-3. Three, three. So those those uh, celebrations were quite premature, I learned from that. But it was just an amazing atmosphere and, and then you kind of feel, you know, I can't let the fans down, I can't let the players down, I can't let my staff down, I can't let my board down. You just kind of want everything to go well. But obviously it's how your hands once they cross that white line. Brendan, the uh, playoff final win led to Jason Cowley moving on to Stevenage. So knowing that the summer would be preparing the squad for the challenge of a new league, assessing where you need to strengthen and what teams the league were going to be challenging for the playoffs, what, in your opinion, were the standard performances during the season in the Premier Central? I think I've mentioned a couple of them before. I think Peterborough Sports away was a huge victory. I think Didcot away was a huge victory. A really bad pitch and we had a few run-ins with Didcot. They went very fond of us, we went very fond of them. Then there was an issue when they came up to us that the floodlight failed. Then when they had to come back up to replay the game, we had to pay for their travel, they got half the gate. There was all sorts of implications put on us because it was their fault that the floodlight failed in the first place. But that was a real tough game going down there. Those loads, Quainer and, and Haywood, they shared play of the season. My managers play of the season, they shared it because they were just too good for everyone in that division, in my opinion. And then you have Richie's goals, Jason's goals. It was a real, real good team effort to, to get us through that division. Many, many, many good, comprehensive performances. Kempston away, 4-0 and in, in minus 5 degree weather. Some really, really uh, good memories, but I think just the whole season itself, the balance, the amount of goals we scored, the football we played, it was all excellent. It's very difficult to pick standout players, but yeah, like I say, certainly my play of the year was shared with Haywood and Quainer. And then, like I say, the goals from from Richie and, and Jace and even Cameron Peters that we had in a loan from Walsall, you know, we chipped in. Everybody was um, everybody was great. So from that point of view then, Bren, you've got promoted, you've enjoyed that period of time, you've you've now you're starting to embark on again the highest level that the, the football club's been at. Was there anything going into step three where you looked and thought you'd learn 
from previous experiences in terms of you mentioned that when you went into step five and step four, maybe you was a little bit too loyal. At that moment in time, did you look and think, I can still be loyal because the lads I've got are at such a level where step three should be quite straightforward for them to play in? Or did you start to think maybe I need to start bringing in different players to the group? Well, obviously, we knew we had to replace Jason because we knew he was going to go. He trained with quite a few league clubs during the season and, you know, we went with him on some of them, the week's trainings that he's went. So we knew we had to replace Jason, all those goals. So we had, a, we had to get a striker in. And then I wanted to bring in a little bit more experience because only Westy, Richie and I think Spinky, obviously Tommy Taylor played higher in, in Wales, but I think... Richie, Westy and Spinky were the only ones that had played step three before. So, and you know, there's a big gulf between four and three. So I had to get players in that were, were established at step three. So, you know, we were looking on the side of more experienced lads to help us with air game management because we knew we couldn't go and play air free-flown, open and expansive football like we did in step four because we were coming up against better managers, better coaches, better players. So we knew we had to address that. So... Experience and, and replacing Jason's goals was probably um, the the recruitment drive. And how was that from a from a club point of view? You know, in terms of you know Mike Burke as a chairman, and you know all of the stuff that from a club size point of view, going into step three, there wouldn't be many, if any, bigger fan bases, stroke clubs at that level of football. But what was the intention from? You know, certainly you as a manager, but also the chairman's point of view, was it a case of, do you know what, let's go and see if we can do it again? Or was it just a case of, let's just try and consolidate? Because you've made a really good point in your, your last part about there is a big difference between step four and step three. So what was your approach going into that, knowing that you've just had two back-to-back promotions? Well, obviously my standards are still high and, and I wanted to do well, but I didn't think we'd do as well as we we, uh, we did in the season that's gone by or the season that hasn't happened that's gone by. But obviously from Mike's point of view, he was probably looking towards it, a good trophy run or a good FA Cup run. And we sat down and decided what, what other cup competitions we would enter. But I think it was a case of certainly just just staying in the league and, and finishing as high as we possibly could. There was no pressure whatsoever. We knew, we knew as a club we were probably two years ahead of schedule because we didn't think... Certainly a board level, I didn't think we'd get our step five first time round, and we certainly didn't think we'd get our step four first attempt either. We really thought this was the step three was when we'd plateau. You know, Mike again was quite conservative with the resources that he gave me, but he didn't, um, you know, he didn't leave me in a, in a position of, of struggling to, to approach players and then track players to the club. And Leon Broadhurst and Robbie Thompson-Brown and, and Coyle Perry and Shaquille McDonald who I tried to sign up when we were at step five but he was on a contract at the time so those players you know certainly Shaquille was, was one that I was after for a while Leon local lad you know non-league legend and, and still fit as a fiddle so I was chuffed to get him on board and then Big Pezza came in because at the time we, we only had Richie Jason had left Cameron had gone back to Warsaw and I hadn't done deals with anyone else Shaquille was still negotiating with two other clubs and then he chose us. So we got Pez in, then Shaquille followed and we thought we had a real good good balance to the squad with experience and, and what had got us where we are. And then lads that have that are established at step three, that was that was the mixture we were after and we, we felt we had it. We moved a few things around as the season went on. The start we had was very, very difficult, but we came through that reasonably well and then I thought oh, we, we could be okay here. 
although it was plain to see the, the gulf in, in quality of who we were coming up against was there for everyone to see. So we had to evolve and adapt as we went because, again, it was another debut season for us at, at that level against some, some big clubs. After that initial start, which is a really tough fixture start for us, we did OK. It's fair to say that you know, I watched, I think, two of your opening five games, which was Tamworth away and Colville away. And I think it's fair to say as a club, step six, step five, step four, you know, you've gone through them leagues and you've been the big powerhouses at that level of football. But you're now coming into a new league and whilst Bromsgrove have got momentum, you're going up against clubs that have got players that, you know, know this level, no levels above. So all of a sudden, I'm not saying Bromsgrove don't have that level of superiority, but all of a sudden you're playing against clubs that are going, yeah, okay, well, you're at our level now, we're not dropping down to your level. I think when I watched you against Colville, it's fair to say for 89 minutes, they battered you. Probably should have been 4, 5 or 6 nil up, but all of a sudden you get a 2-2 draw out of it. And then you go to Tamworth, who were a lot of people's favourites to, to win the league. You go 1-0 down and you end up winning the game 3-1. At that point, did you look and go, actually, do you know what? We're all right here because, you know, not only are we coming into a new level, we're going up against teams that are, someone like Tamworth would be deemed as a, a Conference North club, maybe even a Conference Premier club. And you've gone to their patch and... You've turned them over with your loyal bunch of players that have took you through the leagues over the last couple of years. It was strange because obviously going into step three as a club in regards to our stature and, and uh, Sawyers and the exposure we get, obviously we're not minnows in that respect. But playing at step three, of course, we're newbies. We are minnows because we've never done it before. And then I seen the odds for the championship when, when they came out and I think we were at 28 or something like that, which which was an eye raiser in itself. And then we saw him breeding and we dropped into 16 or something like that, 16 to one. I think Tamworth were favourites, then Colville. Then I see the fixture list, Biggles Wade, who finished, I think, in the top eight, then went to Tamworth, then Colville. They were breaking the FA Cup. Then we had Stelbridge and, and Banbury and Rushaw. So really, really big clubs, well-established and, and obviously playing at the level a lot longer than what, what we had. But the Tamworth away, Biggles Wade was obviously the big day for the club, first game at step three, and a draw was probably a fair result. I've seen the difference in the energy and how much they, the players wanted it. Certainly the players that play for Lee Allison, they, they really they really put in a shift for him. And then we went to Tamworth and we had a shaky start. I think Spinky gave away a penalty at early doors. And then we had an issue with their number 10, finding themselves in little pockets that was causing those problems and Joe Hull didn't help to deal with them. And then we put that right. It took us about 15, 20 minutes to put that right. Then we got a full hole in the game. We were pressing higher up the pitch. You know, Nathan and Josh were closing down Bezik and causing them problems. And Charlie went down the flank, whipped in a great cross for, for Richie, great header. And then Richie and Shaq's movement for, for the second, they couldn't handle. And we went in, winning 2-1. And then Big Pairs comes on the second half and, and seals it with a 3-1 win. But we, we took... 275, maybe 280 people there that night. You know, it was no mean feat going to Tamworth for the first time as, as Bromsgall Sporting and, and turned them over convincingly, in my opinion. It was a brilliant result for us and I was, I was delighted. And then we go Colville and yeah, I agree with you. I think Steve would agree as well. We, they should have been our sight. Tune it up and they missed a penalty. Well, Breeden saved it. But even after that, they had six, seven guilt edge chances that you would expect them to, to put away. Kind of went for it. We were two down. Got lots of bodies up the pitch, put a bit of pressure on them. 
we scored one from a set piece and then, and then the second second phase of play following another set piece and at 2-2 we, we snatched the draw at that point it was like okay well we can we can certainly mix it but we still had a lot of improvement to uh improvements to make when you talk about bringing tony breed into the club and kyle perry lads who have got football league and national league experience from your point of view as a manager did you look and go actually do you know what we've really raised the bar as a club yes you've brought in a lot of finance in terms of vars runs and winning leagues and all of that but now you're going out and signing with the greatest respect to the lads that you had already in Tony Breedon, probably the best goalkeeper in Midlands non-league football, bar none. And in Kyle Perry, someone who has played in the Football League. Did you look at that and go, actually, do you know what? We're doing well here. Yeah, because they're, they're marquee signings. You know, Tony Breedon, well-respected, marquee signings. Joe Hall was a signing who, who'd done really, really well for Russell at Step 3. RTB, Robbie Thompson-Brown, really well-established player at that level. So they, they, were, all, they were all marquee signings. Their bench was really, really strong. But when those players come in, you know, it's easy to let them come in and think, oh, they've been there and done it at a certain level, but you can't let them do that. When they come in, they've got to know that they're coming in to work hard and, and help this club progress. More often than not, nine times out of ten, most of the new lads that have come in have, have done that. Some haven't worked out, fair enough. Yeah, as long as you get the message across to those boys early doors, you know you'll get the best out of them and, and they'll give you everything they, they can. And um, like I say, nine times out of ten, most of them do. And I think from that point of view, you know, you talk about step three as a season, big signings, you know, let's be fair, Breeden, for me, as I say, along with James Wren, he's, he's probably one of the, the best goalkeepers at this level, if not the league above. You know, Kyle Perry, you know, you draw at Colville, you beat Tamworth, all of a sudden you're starting to break your way through. Breeden then goes to Nuneaton for reportedly big money. Kyle Perry then moves on. But then you go out and sign Mikey Taylor, who weren't really doing that well at Starbridge at that moment in time, and Greg Mills. And then all of a sudden, it was like, boom, you really went again. From that point of view, was there a pivotal point in step three where you looked and thought, maybe I need to tweak this up a little bit? Because it's fair to say that when you bought you know, Mills, Taylor, and later on, Reece into the club, you were many people's favourites to be breaking the top one, two or three in the division. Some signings come off, some don't. I don't think the one with, with RTB did, I don't think the, the Peasant one did either. For whatever reasons we you know, we had we had a different opinion on it. But I think it was the I think it was the Russell game at home. We drew one each. They were top of the league at the time, absolutely flying. And we still hadn't got a set aside. I think back I think Tom Massey started the game, eighteen year old kid that we, we brought up from the eighteens. But it went quite aggressive that night and kinda of matched them up for their shape. They've been scoring bags of goals, playing really good stuff. Probably the best one one draw I've been involved in. Great crowd, Tuesday night, summer's night. That's when I thought we're gonna do okay in this division because we still hadn't got the the settled side that I wanted in, in regards to players complementing each other's attributes. So we were still trying to find that that connection with, with the squad and, and that familiarity within each other's attributes. We were still trying to find that. But to perform the way we did against Russia, then batter hens for four nil, we'll have to get some people in to enhance the start that we already made. And then they go and get Mikey and Millsy, who was top goal scorer the year before at the level. And you knew we were going to get goals there. And um, you know, and then Leon comes back fit and we kind of switched his game from, from midfield to centre-half. And in my opinion, he was, he was brilliant there. We kicked on from there. 
and went on a fantastic run. I think we went 10, maybe 12 games unbeaten. And that was really a big achievement for us in that division, going that far unbeaten. Beating Rushton 8-2, hit Leaston for 8 as well. We were scoring bags of goals and it was, it was a great great little run we went on. Everything seemed to click. But, uh, we found a, a set aside, if you like. We propelled up the the division yeah it was brilliant really enjoyable period of the season and from that point of view when you were when you were talking to the chairman and like you say all of a sudden it's like crikey hold on a minute we're six months away from the conference north was there an element of doubt from the football club that this might be one season too early from that or was it a case of you just keep going and let us worry about how we uh sustain what we're trying to do that was certainly Mike's attitude we'll cross that bridge when we come to it you're doing a great job keep doing what you're doing you and the players are making us proud I'm sure there were some people at the club that probably a little bit apprehensive that we were probably getting ahead of ourselves and progressing too quick but when you're on a run like that you can't. You just need to enjoy it it's very difficult to, to go on a run during a season of uh, 10 wins and 2 draws or whatever it was so we all just wanted to enjoy it for what it was and then as the season progressed we kind of had a few conversations and you know what if this happens what if that happens and we kind of had um, some plans in place because we didn't expect to to do as well as, as we did, but thankfully, you know, some of the signings really clicked. We propelled ourselves up to the, the right end of the table and then we were cemented in those playoff spots for quite some time. Brendan, we touched on earlier about the unique way the club is structured and with the success the club has achieved, certainly the last three years in particular. Now, since you've now become manager, how has your relationship developed with the supporters' trust in terms of keeping an open communication with them regards how you and Mike Burke and all the club want to take actually take the club forward? Well... In regards to the supporters themselves, me, Mason, the squad, we're on first name basis with a lot of them and that's that's great. The supporters trust. I've got to be honest, I kind of take my cue off, off the feedback I get from, from my superiors, obviously Mike and Graham. They fill me in on, on, on things like that. I don't go into the, the ballroom unless I'm invited. I don't go to meetings unless I'm invited, unless there's something on the agenda regarding the force team. So I'm not really too involved in that side of it to be honest with you Kevin if Mike feels I need to know something or if I want to raise something we'll we'll obviously discuss it but my job as manager and and my job is to make sure we're prepared on the training pitch and for match day all the other stuff got to be honest I'm not too heavily involved in. Looking at them Brendan over the next five years with the fan base you've got and the catchment area as well because where Bromsgrove is potential good catchment area to widen your fan base as well do you think it's a reasonable target for the club to be at a level where Solly and Moores are and to be established in the National League do you, can you see a pathway where you feel Bromsgrove could get that far in the pyramid? Yeah there's the potential to do that I think during my first full season we had a bit of a Q&A night we agreed that we do it every season as long as we're there we do it in the January time so January step four we had a Q&A and I was asked the same question you know where do you want to take the club and I'll give you the same answer as, as I did that night I'd love to take the club full time if we can do that great if not we'll try our very best but yeah I think that's got to be the the, uh, the aim um, and with the facilities we've got and, and the fan base and if we keep progressing the way we are you know, I used to say we, we won't do it. It'll be a lot of hard work and, and it could take a number of years. But yeah, that's got to be, you've got to have something to aim for, otherwise you, you'll go flat. So you've got to keep, like I say, evolving and, and resetting standards and resetting expectations. But yeah, that'd be certainly a, a platform that we'd love to get to. Brent, when we go back into next season, whenever that starts and all of that kind of stuff, from your point of view, you know, you'll have targets in mind of players you want to maybe bring in or players that might not make the cut that have been with you this year, etc, etc. But going into next season, what do you feel is the one thing maybe you'd look to have to do or want to do different that you haven't done this year to to really push you on to those top two spots in the league? Game management, Ross. I think we let ourselves down 
in a number of games with their game management and their decision making. So maybe educating the guys on, on what to do in certain periods of the game. You know, certainly after maybe just scoring, the concentration levels need to be even higher. But I would say game management is something we've got to improve on. I'm not looking to make wholesale changes with incomings and outgoings because we've got the guts of a, a good squad there and you know we can't really fault them the time the league was cancelled we were like I say we were heavily placed in those playoff places for some time and I think we were third or fourth when it did when it did happen so there won't be huge huge changes there will be a few additions but not not massive amounts and I think yeah we'll have to work on our game management I'm hoping that you know the guys have learnt I certainly have I'm hoping the guys have learnt that they have forced taste of, of step three Obviously, the guys who have played Step 3 before will look at themselves as well to see where they can improve. But the guys who, who never played Step 3 before, I'm hoping this season just gone, will will um, stand them in good stead going forward because they'll know what to expect now and they've, they've had a taste of it. But um, overall, yeah, we need to work on our game management, I think. And from that point of view, you know, you look at through the course of a season, the fact that you've signed players of the calibre of Tony Breeden, Leon Broadhurst, you know, Mikey Taylor... Restoich towards the back end of you know the season before lockdown come. In terms of your recruitment now, you know going into next season when you talk about game management and you know potentially going out and sign players from the league above or maybe even the national league because of the size of club that Bromsgrove are. Does that give you a little bit of a, a buzz around the fact of because of what we've done over these last few years, we can really compete with anybody? at any level of non-league football. Got to be careful with that because you can't just use the stature of, of the club to, you can't just use that to solely rely on recruiting players because you don't want to get into a position where, I think you touched on it earlier, that they're just coming to Bromsgrove because of the size of it and they think it's it's easy coin because that's not the case. So you got to be careful that you don't fall into that potential mindset or potential trap. But certainly from what the guys gave me last year, like I say, there won't be there won't be huge changes, and you know they'll certainly all get an invitation back for whenever that may be, and then it's up to them whether they they take that invitation seriously and, and keep their place at the club, or whether they they might want to move on. Who knows? Some some might want to move on, and, and that's fine. But whether we be be in a position to attract players from National League and, and Conference North, I, I still don't know yet. I still don't know whether we be in that position or not. I think that's fair enough, and I think the we spoke to James Wren. And the one game that stood out for him throughout the course of the season was the New Year's Day game where you beat Starbridge 4-0. Greg Mills played for you. Mikey Taylor played for you and scored. And at that point where you beat them, not just comfortably, but comprehensively as well, from that point of view, did you look and go, do you know what? We're now probably the top team in the Midlands and there now comes an element of expectation moving forward? Maybe the expectation rolls a little, not for one second did I think we're the top team in the Midlands now, but yeah, maybe the expectation rolls a little bit because of the the local bragging rights of that fixture. There was a lot of, it was a very emotionally charged day. Obviously we had players that, that had previously played for Stalebridge and Stalebridge had, had uh, Nathan who previously played for us. I mean, he didn't start that game actually, he was very, very disappointed, but he came on and, and scored and it was a bit of a hullabaloo the way he celebrated in front of their management and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a very emotionally charged game. But I didn't know I didn't know what way to take the result because I don't think they were in a great run of form. I don't think they played well that day. We certainly played a lot better on previous occasions. But yeah, I think the significance of the result was more around the, the fact that they were so established at this level and they've got a, a following 
you know, around the same size of ours and the historic moments they've had gone by with the, with the FA Cup heroics and even last year getting to the first round. So I think because of how big they are, that's why it was probably a, a huge result for us. I remember being asked, was it the win of the season? It'd be up there, but at that point we were only halfway through, so we didn't know whether it was the win of the season. But it was certainly a very enjoyable, um, enjoyable win. The magnitude of the game and the big attendance that was at it, not just from our guys, but from their supporters as well. It might have raised a few eyebrows because obviously Stalbridge were, were one of the favourites because of the uh, the stature of their club and, and the squad that was assembled there. So yeah, that was a, a huge, huge result for us. And I think from that point of view, when you know New Year's Day, a lot of your lads would have, hopefully all of your lads would have been staying on New Year's Eve because I think footballers nowadays, you know, they do take it very serious on New Year's Eve. But I think the one thing about that game, and it was quite a pivotal point, you know, it was it was well highlighted in terms of you know the highlights package that the guys at both clubs put together. And again, I think that's credit to the guys at Sporting because you know in terms of social media and the lad Max who does the interviews after they really give it and they promote it well. There was an altercation prior to half time with your assistant Andy Mason and the Starbridge manager Ian Long around the point where Nathan Haywood had been sent off because he, you know, like you said, he'd moved from Sporting to Starbridge. What was that half-time team talk like? Was that massive emotion? Because we hear lots of things that happened in the tunnel at half-time and, you know, it was quite volatile in that sense. From a management point of view, was that probably that one point in your managerial career where you think, actually, do you know what? I've got to get hold of everything we're doing here because if I do we will go out and win this game it was a case of keeping the boys calm I've got to be honest I was exhausted that day because um, all the boys were being really good staying in the night before I was at my best mate's wedding back in Dublin so I only landed half ten that morning pretty much got home and had a boy to eat and then went to the ground I think they were there before us actually you could tell it was a big game lots of emotion all the players know each other and yeah there was a, a bit of a kick off between P and, and Mace Obviously, there's two sides to every story. I was in the middle of it. I was just trying to separate them. But listen, it happens, doesn't it? It happens between benches. Some benches you get on with, some you don't. But like I say, I was mostly charged and you had our fans in the back giving pea stick and and, uh, and and Colwell and stuff. But that happens in local derbies. I got the same when, when we went over there. You know, those people shouting behind my back. But you take it. But certainly at half-time, there was a few scuffles in the in the, uh, the tunnel. Nathan didn't deserve to be sent off, in my opinion. I think the first challenge wasn't... The second challenge was a yellow, but the first one wasn't, so I thought it was a bit harsh. But like I say, there was emotions run high, there was tackles flowing in and the pace of the game, and like I say, the, the local bragging rights involved. It got a bit messy between between Mason and P. My job was just to keep everybody calm because, um, you know, we got a foothold in the game and, and I didn't want the lads to, to lose their head. I wanted them to have, obviously big hearts and, and fire in their belly but I always want them to be to be cool up top and, and, and have a clear mind and, and I knew we'd get something out of the game and, and it turned out that way that we did convincingly and you know Mikey scoring and, and obviously Millsy scoring just added just added to all the spice that was already there but um, yeah very emotional day Absolutely and I think when we spoke to to Rennie you know he highlighted the fact that Starbridge probably didn't achieve that much this year because they didn't have superiority between the local clubs in terms of yourself, Hensford, you know, all of the clubs that were in and around the playoffs. Whereas I look at your record from step three when you were playing against Starbridge and the clubs in and around you, but also Rushall and, you know, even the local clubs such as Redditch and Alverchurch, 
you had quite a good record. Do you think moving forward for you, that's massively important going into next season, that if you do as well as you can do against the local clubs, that will stand you in really good stead? Yeah, just try and pick up as many points as possible. Really strange for us this season because our home form was poor. We lost to Banbury, really bad performance. Lowest off at home, you know, Colville battered us when they came. So our home form was poor. I think we only won 37, 38% of our games. But our away form, I think we won 65, maybe 68% of our games. So it was really strange. But yeah, I do think it will help if you if you beat the local sides because, you know, in and around the local area, there's always loads of banter and bragging rights going on. So it does help if you... If you beat your rivals, obviously we beat Alva George handsomely on Boxing Day. Battered Hensford 4-0, sent them packing. They really got up my nose that night. They came in, they, they waltzed in as if they were, they were moaning about the facilities and, and saying it was a, um, a kip and stuff like that. And I thought, who are these, who are these guys? And they pretty much did me team talk for them. You know, they got a good tonker and they were sent packing. So yeah, I think it helps. We drew at Rushall, drew at Colville. I think we were the only team to beat Tamworth twice. So the locality of fixtures, we more than held their own. Yeah, I think it does make a difference if you, if you do well in those games. You try and pick up points on the road, which, like I say, we've we done well with. And I've, I must admit, I've got to thank Mike and, and the board for stuff because those long trips to Lowestoft and Suffolk and Needham, at least in you know, fair play, the, the club put us up the night before and you know we prepped right and we came back with nine points from nine available in those three long away trips. The local wins, obviously, a lot more sweeter. I want to talk about that Hensford game because I think when you, you beat them, Around that time, though, on social media, every time Hensford seemed to win a game, they'd put a, a video out on Twitter of their, you know, singing green and gold and all of that kind of stuff. When you beat them, and like you say, convincingly, you guys actually put a video back out going, singing their song back to them, so to speak. In terms of the emotion and all of that kind of stuff, do you look back at that now and go, was that the right thing to do? If that had been the second game that you'd have played, I mean, you'd have beat them twice, then yeah, a lot of managers would go, it's the right time to sing and, and to do all of that kind of stuff. But was you almost setting yourself up a little bit there that by singing that song when you did go and play them at Keys Park, it was a bit, little bit like you'd have done their manager's team talk for them, like you said, their manager did theirs for you. Maybe, but listen, there was a lot of euphoria there that night. A forced attempt at step three and, and we're beating the club like Hensford 4-0. So the atmosphere was, was amazing. But there was things that happened in the game. When Breeden missed a penalty, Platty made a great save, obviously, but when Breeden missed a penalty, it was there were shades of... Man United at Arsenal when they jumped in front of Van Nistelrooy about jumping in front of Breeden's face because he made the penalty. So there was elements of that as well involved. But it was actually uh, it was Richie's idea. Gregory thought, "Hey lads, we'll just we'll just stick it on for the crack." And it was because they, I mean, they made out that they never did it. But you're right. There was a period of the weeks where they were doing it every game. So we thought we'll, we'll give them some back. So yeah, well, listen, you, you got to enjoy those moments. It was <laughs> it was good fun. We've only done that twice. I think we have done it that night, and then we did it later in the season when we beat Banbury. And again, their manager had a bit of a moan about it because we celebrated so much. But we were we weren't playing very well at the time, and that performance we put in over there with lots of niggles and injuries within the squad it was a real gutsy away win. Again, at another established club like Banbury for us to go there and win one 0 We were delighted with it, and they turned their power off. In our changing room, so the lads opened the door and decided to sing Sweet Caroline instead of putting on the stereo. So it was, um, yeah. Listen, you've got to enjoy those moments, haven't you? It, it certainly wasn't led by me. It was, um, it was the lads and, and fair play to them. Absolutely, and like you say, that's what they're pivotal moments in seasons, aren't they? Because, like you say, going beating Hensford at home, 
beating Banbury. You know, you're not talking with the greatest respect teams down the bottom. So there's so much emotion riding throughout, not just staff, but players at that point. But no, it's uh, an unbelievable season. And again, it's it's such a shame it come to an abrupt end. But hopefully next season you can pick up where you left off. From your point of view, and again, I don't know whether you've had a Zoom meeting or, or that kind of stuff to announce, you know, players of the year and all of that kind of stuff. But for you, you know, you've had a top squad this year. I could probably count five or six players that I think the answer to this question would be. But from your point of view, who's been manager's player of the season for step three? Tom Taylor. Because? Just a man mountain. First of all, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. He puts his body on the line, and, and, I, and I mean that literally. You know, sometimes we wonder if he's going to make it through a game, but he, he just seems to get through them. He's just a real leader on the pitch, um, again, by example. And when he talks, everyone listens. But he was um, he was my standout player this year. Every test he came up against, he seemed to not only hold his arm, but, but dominate some really good forwards in this division, your Jake Reeds and, and players like that. He just led by example and, and he was brilliant and formed an excellent partnership with Leon Broadhurst. He talks in the game, you know, he's not the greatest trainer because he's always carrying niggles and things like that, but when he's on the pitch, he's my standout player. The one game for this season that was the pivotal moment, whether that be the best game, the worst game, the one game that when you go to bed tonight will be the one where you go, that was the one game that sticks in my mind for either the right or wrong reasons. I'd probably say Hensford. I'd probably say Hensford just because they were top of the league at the time and it was just a performance we put in from minute one to 90. We dominated the pace that we played at. The decisiveness in their play and the chances we got, we took. They couldn't get near us. Complete performance. Tamworth at home. And away, we'd run it close, but obviously we won 4 0, didn't concede, so I would say the Hensford game. Your best signing during the season, who would you say was the one where you look and go, he was the best signing and the reason why? It's got to be Mikey, really. Tried to sign him twice before, never got him. And then when he came in, he just hit the ground running, and he's been an absolute goal machine for us. And, and we did miss him when he broke his foot, hence we had to get Stoichi in. Yeah, I think, I think Mikey. Brill, thank you. Okay, Brendan, well, we're coming towards the end of the non-league review here on Switch Sport. Just want to take this opportunity on behalf of myself, Ross Thorpe, and all the team at Switch Sport and Switch Radio. Thanks ever so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's been a fascinating conversation about the recent success of the club and your ideas about how you're going to take the club forward as well. Best luck for next season. For now, Brendan, take care. All the best. Thanks very much for having us. Switch Radio Sport. This is Switch.